Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slesser, and today we welcome A.J. Puck, the A's rookie left-hander. He'll tell us what it's like finally getting to the big leagues and how he's adjusted to life in the bullpen. Then David Feldman and I talk about a lot of the new A's additions, including Jesus Lizardo and the A's schedule down the stretch and a potential tiebreak scenario in the event of a three-way tie for the wild card. All of that next on A's Plus. Today on A's Plus, our guest is A's lefty A.J. Puck up in the major leagues for his first time. First of all, A.J., uh, how are things in the major leagues? What you expected or has anything surprised you so far? Uh, yeah, you know, everything's been great. You know, it's kind of been a whirlwind uh, experience and, uh, you know, I'm just happy to be here, happy for the opportunity. Uh, are you, since you're in relief now and you're in the bullpen, um, are you able to work on anything or are you just kind of trying to like get your work in as much as you can because you've got these, you know, a little more kind of downtime than you're used to? Uh, yeah, you know, you definitely, every day, you know, uh, you know, especially since uh, my Tommy John surgery, you know, I try to be uh, as, as uh, focused as I can be during catch, you know, to work on the things, you know, you know, feel my mechanics and everything to make sure everything's uh, working right. How much of an adjustment is it being in the bullpen for you? I mean, you've been a starter your whole life. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, when you come out the bullpen, you just got to have uh, have your stuff right away. You know, there's no, uh, you know, an inning or two if I was starting. Like, if I'm not feeling it that day or something, I can figure it out. You know, it's just got to be uh, ready to go right away. That's about the only difference, I think. How would you describe the whole process of coming back from Tommy John surgery? Obviously, it's something nobody ever wants to have to go through. You get hurt during spring training of last year, um, but it seemed like you came back in a, a pretty good time. Like you, the progression you followed was pretty much what was expected. How was it from your viewpoint? Uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a long, long road. Um, you know, just you just got to keep in mind. Uh, you know that the doctor puts something in your arm that's not supposed to be there, and uh, it just takes a while for it to uh, you know to get used to, and uh, you know you just take it slow and just worry about your goals that you have throughout your rehab. At, at the time, it must have been. Did, did you? How, how long did it take you before you realized something was wrong? Was there was there something where you felt it right away, or were you trying to th- pitch through something that spring? Uh, yeah, you know, it was something that happened gradually over time, and. Uh, you know, it's just kind of like a little discomfort here. Some days it would be all right, then other days it would be, like, I knew something was up. And, uh, you know, it just kind of, you know, I just tried holding on to it for as long as I could until, you know, I thought about there's no way I could pitch a whole season like this. And uh, that's when I spoke up and said something. Um, how, when you started throwing again, could you tell right away the difference once you, you know, once you were healed that you were back to full strength and, and kind of that discomfort was completely gone? Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that took, uh, I mean, that probably took a little bit while since after, because uh, we started throwing about six months and even, even there you got to work out, you know, the little pains and just get used to it and, you know, just stretching out the ligament and having to get used to your body and throwing again. But no, I started f- feeling really good about, I'd probably say, Uh, I don't even know when we first faced a couple of times after hitters, you know, you throw and then be kind of sore. And then, uh, uh, but I always had, you know, recovered pretty well. And uh, probably around like 14 months, 15 months is when I was like, all right, this is, 
No, I'm starting to feel back to like really normal. Yeah, kind of a little more free and easy than it had been before the surgery and, and all yeah. that. That's yeah. great. Um, now, you obviously had um, Jarrell Cotton kind of went through the same processes at the same time as, as you, and plenty of other pitchers, of course, have had Tommy John surgery. It's almost common at this point. Was it helpful for you kind of going through that with Jarrell and, you know, a few other guys who, who knew the whole process? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, we had a great group of guys down in Arizona. Uh, where I was rehabbing, and it was just kind of nice having someone go through the same thing with you. You know, you don't you don't want that to be the case, but it's definitely nice, you know, asking like, hey, it's like, when you're at this point, was your elbow feeling like this? And they'd be like, yeah, be like, all right, and you kind of like relax, be like, all right, cool, that's how it is. Um, then obviously you you wind up on a rehab assignment, and you work your way back, and you're at Las Vegas. How was how were things for you at Las Vegas? What was that? What was your how would you say your season went considering you were coming off of pretty major surgery? Uh, yeah, you know I think it was every outing that I had coming back was uh, you know something to build off of. Like all right, this is how I felt during this game. This is what my pitches were doing. And you just kind of you know make adjustments or uh, just try to feel it out. To, you know try to get back to what what you felt like pre-surgery. Now you and Jesus Lazardo, Sean Murphy, you're kind of a core of kind of like the next group of A's sort of top prospects to come up, kind of, uh, you know, a little bit like Chapman, Olsen, Pinder, those guys were sort of the, the group just ahead of you. Having all three of you here and, you know, and a few other guys that are, you know, sort of a, around your draft class, what's that like for you? Do you, do you get kind of like a few, the future is, is now or certainly it's coming kind of feeling when you see all of you here? Uh, yeah, you know, it's great having uh, those guys be up here, um, you know, especially, you know, uh, Murph, I was drafted with him, threw to him a lot, especially my first full season, it was always me and him throwing. And then, uh, you know, Lizardo, I got to know Lizardo pretty well during uh, the spring training, so I mean, it was real, it was, I mean, it was, it's cool to see all these guys come up here and, uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, help contribute to this team and make a little push here at the end of the season. Yeah, coming up during a playoff push, what's that like? Because it's not you're not just coming up and you know the team isn't really playing for anything. There's obviously a, a lot to play for. Yeah, no, it's definitely an exciting time to be around here. Uh, you know, every day everyone comes in ready to play and uh, ready to, to go out there and get a win and uh, you know to help us out the wild card. And uh, you know, it's just exciting and every day's uh, been great. Lizardo was your roommate at one point, right? Was he a good roommate? Were you, are you a good roommate? How did that go? Uh, yeah, no, I think we're both uh, pretty good roommates. So that worked out Two well. lefties together? Yeah, yeah, really? yeah, no, it was pretty good. <laughs> okay, awesome. Thanks, AJ. Thanks so much for joining us at A's Plus. Awesome. Thank you. Our thanks again to AJ Puck for joining us on A's Plus. We will be back in a moment with David Feldman and Feldy's Follies. Time for the Feldy Follies on Ace Plus. David Feldman, official score and stats guru, joins us. David, uh, interesting first two games here in Houston. First the the Astros with a 15-0 win, and then the A's with a 21-7 win. Uh, what is going? Is this just modern baseball? Uh, it's very much a little bit of modern baseball, but it also that old saying, uh, "Momentum is your next day starting pitcher." <laughs> I mean. Mike Fires goes out and just gets rocked on Monday night as one of the worst starts in the in the history of of baseball. He's only the the second Oakland starting pitcher to allow three home runs in the first inning. Yikes. Uh, the other being Catfish Hunter back in 1968 in his start after he threw his perfect game against the same team 
against Minnesota. He went to Minnesota. Rod Carew hit, hit his second pitch for a home run. He gets the three homers in the game. Now, the difference with Kathis is Kathis stayed in the game and won the game with a big ace thing. That Mike Spires didn't have that much luck. That's crazy. <laughs> and then Wade Miley takes the hill for the Astros and can't get anybody out, and that's two starts in a row where he got what, one out, 15 of the last 16 batters. It's just I was really impressed with the A's, though, in that first inning against Miley because they came out, they looked like with a very solid game plan where we're just going to take the ball the other way. He's soft-tossing, he's throwing away from our power, we're just going to put the bat on the ball and hit it where they ain't. And that's what they did as a team. And it was, kind of, it was impressive to watch. These guys, I mean, it was single after single, but it was just putting the ball in play. It shows you the, you know, the preparation that goes in to almost every game and a game plan. And if you can follow that game plan, you can have success. And last night they did that with a plum in the first inning, and then the power showed up later. Good, good words. Very, very, very good vocabulary. Um, I, you know, I think that a lot of credit does go to the A's hitting coaches. Uh, you know, the, the staying inside the ball, it, well, you know, especially with that cutter, um, Miley has not been at his best, uh, hitting away from the shift. My goodness, that how helpful. And then, and then the power comes out, um, obviously with, uh, Chris Davis and a no daughter, which is nice to see from him. We all know his struggles and he almost hit a second one. Josh Reddick robbed him of it. Matt Olson with two, and Sean Murphy with two. Um, three starts for Sean Murphy. The A's have won all three of them. I think they've outscored the opposition 35-9 to to nine in those games, something like that, 39-7, to seven, something like that. Um, and the, the, the first home run last night went over the train tracks at <laughs> Minute Maid Park. The train tracks, which are way up, way, well over the left field wall. So uh, what are your impressions here of Sean Murphy? So far, he's been everything that he was made out to be, um, offensively especially. I and mean, he's got a really good approach at the plate. Um, he's not swinging at, at pitches out of the strike zone. I mean, every once in a while you see it, his first, um, his first at bat, he looked a little overmatched. But uh, since then, he's, he's definitely been swinging at strikes. He puts the, when he makes contact, the ball flies. Um, it doesn't seem intimidated by being in the major leagues and being in a pennant race. Um, and then defensively, it, it's still a, you can see it's a work in progress. Um, it's not clean. You know, the pass ball last night, um, it's still just, it's getting comfortable back there. But you see a, a catcher who has all the tools you want going forward. And you can imagine this guy, here's going to be the A's everyday catcher for the next six seasons. Because yeah. he, he definitely appears to have that ability. And not only that, um, he he will be on the postseason roster if the A's are in the postseason because of the interesting transaction the A's made Tuesday. Um, they pick up Bo Taylor on waivers from the Blue Jays, which is fantastic. Everyone in the in the organization loves Bo Taylor. Uh, it was a real surprise when he got designated for assignment in the first place in mid-August. Uh, the A's get him back, but in doing so, they have to designate Chris Herman for assignment. Uh, and Chris Herman was playoff eligible 
Bo Taylor is not because he was not with the organization August 31st. That that really means that, um, and Sean Murphy's look great. This is I, this is not a knock. I think the A's must have taken this all into consideration and said we're comfortable with this. The question for me kind of is, well, if you like Bo Taylor better than Chris Herman, I mean, why would you have done that in the first place? Is it was it just something in the last like basically three weeks? that changed their mind on that dynamic because they're both left-handed hitting catchers. Um, And Sean Murphy probably, you know, is a good choice for a playoff roster regardless. But the A's only have one 60-day deal spot that they can use to get somebody who was not on the 40-man on August 31st onto a playoff roster. That means that spot is now taken. So Jesus Lazardo, unless the A's, you know, use Dustin Garneau as a second catcher or... Uh, someone else from the minor league system who was there on August 31st, um, Jesus Lazardo is not an option in a playoff series. So um, interesting, um, but uh, I think everybody's very happy to see Bo Taylor back. He works hard. Pitchers love him. Coaches love him. Uh, he's always in a good mood. Uh, just a really great clubhouse guy. Uh, and, you know, a, a decent backup type catcher even though he's a left-handed hitter you know ideally you want that to be your everyday guy but that you know that's not gonna be the ch- the choice for the A's anyway they're gonna have to go with a with a right-handed hitting catcher regardless which it's not the end of the world uh, when you get into the postseason uh many teams usually designate their one guy who's gonna be their catcher and he's gonna catch every game um in the, in the postseason you see that a lot um it was strange when they originally DFA Taylor. I think we all, everybody's shocked. Like, why are we doing this? Um, because of that's just his ability, but also that that clubhouse presence. And maybe they saw that something was lacking, and they wanted to bring him back because of what he brings, not just on the field but off the field. Because you are hamstringing yourself a little bit with your postseason roster by making this move by getting rid of a guy who was a playoff eligible guy. Um, you know, it's be interesting these last two and a half weeks to see. If injuries happen, if um, you know if something else happens, they can obviously do something with Stephen Piscotty if they don't think he's going to be able to play. Um, there's another guy who could go to the 60 and open up a spot uh, potentially. I don't know if that works though. I think you have to have served all 60 days. You have to have served the 60 days, and I don't think there's time. That's why Luis Barrera does not count. Um, so, uh, and, and Piscotty went on the DL, even the regular, uh, I sorry IL. Um, I think too late to make the serving the full 60 days a possibility. You have to serve the full 60 I thought yeah. you just had to be there on before September 1st. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. That's, it's a little bit, you can petition the commissioner's office. Um, yes. But, uh, I, I, you know, it, it does not look necessarily like Piscotti is going to be a full go by the end of the season. Uh, and... Um, you know, potentially not available for a playoff. You know, so he can't go anywhere to get get in a rehab assignment. It will be, have been a long time since he's played. So that alone is a is an interesting kind of conundrum for the A's. Um, the good thing for them is they've got all these outfielders that have sort of, you know, really saved their bacon. Um, you know, Mark Canna coming in the center, playing as well as he has with Loriano out, and Loriano's still an issue. He is not healthy. He is not fully healthy, and he, you know, he was the A's. Hottest hitter when he got hurt, and you know one of their most dynamic players. And he's, you know, they had said maybe he might be two games on, one game off. It's looking like the opposite. It's looking more like one game on, two two games off, if that. So, 
they were hopeful he'd be back in the lineup. But Seth Brown comes up and has played very well. And, you know, Robbie Grossman has been solid all season. I know but A's fans are not necessarily always on board with him, but he's a high on-base percentage guy. He's actually better in the field than I think people know. And, and you got Chad Pinder, who you can plug in pretty much anywhere. And last night he makes a fantastic catch. So uh, they, they, the A's have enough outfielders. But that is a, a little bit of an, uh, an area of concern, um, given the injuries to some fairly major pieces. Yeah, it's, it's interesting with Loriano because you are in this pennant race, right? And can you afford to bring somebody in who's not 100%, who you're trying to work back to, to what he was? I mean, he was so hot in July before he got hurt. Um, and you can't expect that he's just going to come right back and pick that up, especially playing maybe once every three days. Um, so how much can you afford to play a guy like Loriano who's not 100%, who's not his ability isn't at 100% right now? Um, can you take that chance when you have other players who are getting the job done? Yeah. It's going to be interesting coming down these last 17 games, how they work that in, because you're right, with, with working in Seth Brown, working in Chad Pinder, and Robbie Grossman is doing what they expected him to do. This is Robbie Grossman. Um, don't look for a guy who's going to hit 320 and hit 20 homers. That's not Robbie Grossman. He's a guy who works the count, he gets on base, and he plays solid defense. That's what they got him for, and that's what he's doing. So. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you want more, but you're not, you're not going to get more. This is it. Yeah, he's also um, he's, he's also doing... a great clubhouse guy, too. Very calm, yeah. very solid, just, you know, reliable. In all ways, just incredibly reliable. So be happy with him, and be happy with what's happening with, with the other outfielders. I'm, I'm still impressed with Canna. I, I really didn't see this from him, especially playing every day, righties, lefties, and you're actually hitting righties better than lefties. Um, defensively, you don't miss a beat in center field. Uh, he makes almost every play you would think he would make. Um, he's kind of a leader out there. Uh, it's it's been impressive to watch. I, I'm shocked to be honest with you. Yeah, it's it's really been amazing. Uh, you know, we, we've mentioned this before. That, uh, media loves him because he's fiery and he's talkative, and he'll he'll stir it up a little bit. Not afraid to speak his mind. A little bit like Eric Chavez. Will will say yeah. exactly what he's thinking and won't apologize for it, which you, which you always like to see. Uh, uh, Sean Murphy, interestingly, um, is showing a lot more personality than we have seen during several spring trainings. He's been on the very quiet side. Um, and you know what? You want a catcher to be somebody who can be a team leader and not necessarily somebody who is, you know, really quiet. And he's showing since he came up, maybe it's just a matter of kind of feeling more like he belongs. Um, but he has been much more talkative, much more forthright, um, and that's a good sign. You'll remember when Matt Chapman first came up, he was kind of quiet, yeah. always quiet during spring training, a little bit on the quiet side when he first came up, and, you know, the no doubt team leader and, and very confident in saying whatever he thinks now. So, I th- And that's important. You know, catcher is a spot where you need somebody like that. So some interesting things going on with um, – the A's younger um, players and some of the more high-profile guys. Speaking of high-profile, Jesus Lazardo is finally here. Um, you know, the potential for maybe a Major League debut Wednesday or Thursday in Houston. Uh, we knew we were going to see him. Um, obviously, he's he's not taken the mound yet. But David Feldman, how excited are you about this development, Jesus Lazardo finally being here? Uh, I am very excited to see him pitch. We've heard about him now for, for two years, uh, and then the injuries have happened. And he kept getting hurt and, and re-hurt, and that started to be a bit worrisome. Um, as we talked about before, it was like a, a kind of a Rich Harden situation where he just, and this is a minor league Rich Harden situation where he just couldn't stay on the mound. Um, 
So now he's been healthy. He's worked his way back. And let's see what this kid has. Uh, what everyone's talked about, uh, his stuff, his maturity on the mound, his ability to mix pitches. Um, it's exciting to see. And it's going to be exciting to see how the A's use him here over the last two and a half weeks. Um, doesn't look like it's going to be in a starting role. It looks like it's going to be in a relief role. And how do they work him in? Um, you know, originally with A.J. Puck, they threw him right into the fire. Here you go. Here's the Yankees. Here's a tight game. Go, go get some outs. Yeah, didn't work um, out all that great. So <laughs> no, did not work out well. And Maybe then go a little a bit softer with Lizardo. Exactly, because then you were able to go a couple innings in Kansas City. Okay, that worked out pretty good. He's pretty good. Uh, another two innings here. I think that's where you would like to see them use Jesus Lizardo a little bit of a softer landing. Maybe starting an inning, uh, getting ready to roll. Uh, but it's going to be fun to watch because he could be electric and he could be that thing that, that takes you over the top. The A's can't afford to lose many games. Cleveland's not losing games. Tampa Bay's not losing games. The A's can't afford it. So they need everything they can. If this is a weapon who can get out and help them win, let's get him in there and let's use him. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited having seen him, you know, a few times in spring training uh, and that this stuff is just just phenomenal. So uh, that's I think we're all all very eager to see that first Year. Major League debut. Uh, schedule the rest of the way, David. You're our schedule watcher. What are your What are your thoughts here? Are the, are the A's getting close? You, you You're big on the 97 win plateau. 97 wins. How How are things going with with the quest for 97? The quest for 97. Well, the A's are now sitting as we talk at 85 and 60, so they need to go 12 and 5 the rest of the way, which is doable because it's doable because after these last two games with the Astros. They play nothing but teams with losing records. Now, that doesn't guarantee you anything. Uh, you, you still have to win the games, but it's a little bit, as we use that word again, softer, a softer schedule than other teams. So, 12 and 5 gets you to 97. What about Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay has been red hot. Right? They've won 11 out of 12. It looks like they're never going to lose again. They have 87 wins, so they're looking at, they just need to go 10 and 6 the rest of the way. So, what do they have coming up? They have a West Coast trip, and I think that's the one thing that the A's have to have to look at and say, maybe they can get a little help there. Because after Texas, where the A's have two more games, they go and play the Angels for three. Now, the Angels didn't give the A's much help down with Cleveland, but they're hoping maybe a little bit. But then they go to the Dodgers, and they have two games in L.A. They come home for four against Boston and two against the Yankees, and then you end at Toronto. Again, you hope to get help. I don't know if you're going to get any help. Now, Tampa Bay's playing so hot. So the thing you have to look at is the odds. Can a team stay this hot for the last two and a half weeks of the season? I think that's more doubtful. I think there's some losses coming. Uh, Cleveland, on the other hand, the A's have a game up in the loss column. Cleveland has, a, has an interesting schedule. Uh, they finish with the Angels, and then they go home for a three-series homestand against the Twins, who... Again, battling for the division. These are going to be tough games. Detroit, Cleveland has destroyed Detroit all year, so that's going to be three wins. And then Philadelphia, who's still in the race for the NL wild card. You hope they're still in the race then. So those are going to be very, very stressful games for the Indians. They finish the year on the road against the White Sox. Normally you say, oh, those are easy. White Sox have given the Indians six this year. So you hope that continues. And then they end at the Nationals. And those games could mean something or they could mean nothing. If the Nationals have already clinched a wild-card spot, well, they're not going to pitch Strasburg. They're not going to pitch Scherzer. They're not going to pitch Ty Corbin. Um, so Cleveland might have a soft landing in that last weekend. If the Nationals are battling for it, then you are going to see those pitchers and the changes at all. 
So it's really interesting coming down. Uh, I think for the A's and the, night, the quest for 97 is take care of your own business. Um, if you can get those last few wins, if you can win every series, not lose against, don't give away games. Uh, go 12 and 5, you're going to be in the playoffs. You've been pretty solid on that. Uh, real quick, I know we wanted to get to what happens in the event of a three-way tie for the last two wildcard spots, which, you know, it's not out of the question because Cleveland, Tampa, and Oakland just keep staying clumped right together, game and a half, half game. You know, it's been weeks now where they've just, nobody's been able to really make any movement. Uh, and it's a fascinating procedure. Um, their designations Team A, Team B, Team C, the A's have the, the um, essentially what we would say home field advantage because they, they own the head-to-head -head record against both teams. So they can choose which teams they are. Explain, David, what that means and what the A's choices are because it's going to be a fascinating decision. Yeah, in the case of a three-way tie for two spots, and that's in the wild card, three teams tying for the two wild card spots. It's a little different than three for, for one spot. And this is where the A's are at a great advantage. Because you're right, they get to choose their, their if they want to be Team A, Team B, or Team C, due to their head-to-head -head record against Cleveland and Tampa Bay. They went 9-4 and four against those two teams. They had the best record. So they're going to choose Team A. And why? Because Team A gets to host Team B in the first game of this little round robin. If Whoever wins that first game between Team A and Team B, they are going to be the first wild card. The loser of that game gets to host Team C in another game for the second wild card spot. So that's why you want to be Team A. You host the first game, and if you lose, you host the next game. So you're going to get two chances to make the postseason there. Again, win the first game, you're Team 1, you're the first wild card. Win the second game at home against Team C, you're the second wild card. You're in a great spot. Tampa Bay will obviously choose to be Team B. They're going to have the second best record against the two teams. Uh, they will go to Team A, which would be Oakland, for the first game. And if they were to lose that, they would go home to play Cleveland for the right to be the second wild card. Now, this is where it gets interesting. You're Cleveland. You're Team C. You're kind of screwed because you don't know where you're playing your game. You're either playing in Oakland or Tampa Bay, and you just got to sit on an airplane. Wait, watching that game, and for you're in the middle of the country deciding to go left or right. Um, so the A's are in just a terrific spot if that was to happen. Now, the other tie-breaking is if there's two ties, the tiebreakers are still in the A's' favor. If the A's and Rays, let's say, were to tie for the first wild card, because the A's have the better head-to-head -head record, they would be the first wild card and host the wild card game. There would be no playing in that situation. Um, if the A's were to tie anyone for the second wild card, they would host that playing game. So regular season, huge to win your season series against teams uh, because it pays off in the long run for sure and will pay off the A's in the case of a tie. Well, um, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, this, this, we knew the second that they instituted a second wild card that there could be some crazy scenarios, uh, and this might be one of those years. Uh, it really, you know, these teams are just really bunched, and, and it should be fun. David Feldman, we will turn to you for, for all the information we need um, when that time comes. Thanks, as always, for joining us on A's Plus. Thanks, Susan. Thanks, as always, to David Feldman for joining us, as he regularly does on A's Plus. Our producers today were G. Allen Johnson and King Kaufman. We will be back again later in the week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening.
A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser, or you can email me at sslusser at sfchronicle.com. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.